I've lived in New Jersey my entire life, and I've been involved in lots of arts, acting, writing. I even married a musician. But a lot of people don't think New Jersey is known for arts and culture. Well, they're wrong. And my goal is to introduce everyone to the most talented people I know. They're singers, they're writers, they're musicians, they're actors, they're chefs, they're martial artists, they're everything you can imagine, and they're going to be on my show. Every one of them. Well, maybe not every one of them, but a lot of them. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Not So Famous in New Jersey. My guest today is Scott Lewis, also known as Mr. Scott the Music Man. Scott has been involved in early childhood music and movement for over 22 years. Kids love him because he has a natural affinity with them. They're drawn to him because he doesn't talk down to them. And he's fun. His songs are fun. His movements are fun. And by the way, his music is really good. Think a kind of a funky Frank Zappa with a twist of lime. He dresses from head to toe in very loud tie-dye, so you can't miss him. He likes to call himself a kind drill sergeant, but I don't think any of the kids see him that way. And I don't think you will either. So hello, Scott. Hello there, Lucille. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being had. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start by talking about your persona, Mr. Scott the Music Man. Okay. Tell me exactly who he is. I came up actually from a five-year-old child back when I first started around the year 2000. been doing it for about 22 about 22 years. And um, I'm just performing, and somebody says, I think I was just going by Mr. Scott. And a child says, hey, Mr. Scott, the music man. I said, what did you say? And he said, Mr. Scott, the music man. I said, I like that. <laughs> and that was it. I don't, and I don't remember where that was. I wish I knew. But of course, <laughs> that child now is probably through college. Yeah, right. But what is Mr. Scott? High energy, music, and movement for early childhood audiences. Basically, two to six I can stretch it sometimes to seven. I do some public school uh, assemblies. Now, your your wife, Valerie, is involved with early childhood development too, right? Absolutely. She owns a preschool in Tom's River, the Peppermint Tree. We kind of have the same clientele. And, of course, I do make that one of my stops. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'll be sleeping in the shed. <laughs> where, where else do you perform? I perform every day at a different school. I perform right around the corner over here. The Goddard School? The Goddard School in Hazlitt. One of my first. But I performed lately in the past six, seven years in South Jersey. Mm. Mount Laurel, Marlton. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that area. Yeah. So I do a Goddard School, and I do another school called Just Children, which is a much smaller local chain. I know you've been into music for a long time, but what compelled you to get into children's music? My mother. Ah. She is a retired early childhood music and movement teacher. So when I was laid off after working for uh, Lucent, actually in our processing line, I'm thinking I got to do something with music. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's going to be. And mom said, why don't you come over and see what I'm doing? And I said, I don't know, mom, that's kind of corny. I, I don't think that's me. You know, itsy bitsy spider and all that. I sat there. I saw the, the looks, the look on the faces of these children and how they looked at her and they just hug her and they just, you know, they smile, they laugh. I never even thought I, I had any kind of connection with young children like that. And I was hooked. So I went to like really, literally a weekend course for a thing called Music Garden. But I was the only, the only guy there. I just kind of thought this is good for the weekend, but it's probably not going to last. It's really nice for kids to have a male role model at that age because 
more often than not, the role models that they have are women, and not that there's anything wrong with them having women, but they need male role models too. So, and the industry, the, the you know, early childhood industry is overwhelmingly female sure. dominated. You don't just perform as Mr. Scott, but you actually compose the music that Mr. Scott, the music man, does, right? Yes, I compose the music in my basement. And it, it's it's not just composing a song, it's composing a song with movements in mind. Mm. And sometimes I take something and I think it's going to be great and I'll take it out there for a week and the kid's just like, and I got to just kind of either rework it yeah. or put it in the, you know, well, archives. So, yeah, it's kind of like a comedian trying out his material. Exactly. You think it's great until you get out there and it's like, I spent, nobody's laughing. Yeah. I spent literally um, two days on this recent thing I did called Mr. Metal. Hmm. And it's got a heavy metal sound to it, which nobody uses in early childhood, but that's Except another you. Thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, and it was so, so cool, you know? It's like, the, Mr. Metal, he's a robot. Mr. Metal, he's a go-bot. Mr. Metal never stays away. He always saves the day. Some kind of thing. But there really wasn't any movements that I could put in there. Yeah. So anyway, that one's that one's going instantly in the scrapper until I can figure it out. So, so would you say that's the hardest thing about writing music for children? Yeah, I, I don't know how hard it is because I've always been kind of goofy. My family's goofy, mm-hmm. and not just because we're Sicilian, but <laughs> it helps. My grandparents were always just, just crazy stuff that most people would probably look at and say, there's something wrong with those that family. But I, yeah, I, You sound like you're related to me. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I loved it. My grandfather used to show me the food in his mouth, yeah. and my grandma would yell at him. And she turned around, he'd do it again. Yeah, yeah. And I love that, you yeah. know. So anyway, I grew up with a lot of that. And I've always kind of been a creative person. The, the more bizarre you get, to a certain degree, the more, kids the more they like, like it. it. Yeah. And you th- do you think that's why you click so well with kids? Because you're, you're like them? I, th- I think, yeah. Well, I definitely have a undiagnosed form of something, ADHD or something. Oh, my God. I have a question about that. Sure. You know, I have a brother who's ADHD. I mean, he could be the the poster child for ADHD. And I always thought that you could probably be there up with him as well. Do you think that having been hyperactive as a kid, which I'm sure you were, first of all, did that have negative consequences for you when you were growing up? Yeah. The teachers would always tell my mother, your son can't, doesn't sit still. He doesn't focus. I'm worried about his future and this and that. One teacher even said, I, you know, he's on a bad path right now. And, you know, they they know everything when I'm like eight years old. Yeah. I've always been like that. And and to this day, I can't focus very well. Mm -hmm. I can focus if I have to. Mm -hmm. You have to make a big effort. Big, big effort. But being hyperactive, how has that helped you as an adult? Well, everywhere I go. Everybody's saying, you have so much energy. I wish I had it. 20-year-old teachers are saying that. And I said, I wish I had that much energy. How do you do it? And I was like, I don't know. I've always been like this. My mother, who's all but about 5'1", maybe 5'2", mm-hmm. she she has so much energy. She puts me to shame. Even she's 85, she puts me to shame on a dance floor. <laughs> I'm not much of a dancer. I yeah. move with the kids, but right. dancing per se? Yeah. Now, I am not even going to ask you because I know who your biggest musical influencer is because I know it was Frank Zappa. It definitely is Frank Zappa, but the reason I'm into music is my mother. Mm. She's number one. Yeah. The things she used to do as when we were kids, she'd play the piano, play something slow, we'd run around, right? Or we'd move real slow and then she'd play fast, like Fly to the Bumblebee, Mm -hmm. and we'd go crazy, and then she'd go slow again. I had no idea that that would be early training for this kind of 
career. Ah. And I use all a lot of that stuff constantly. Kids love slow fast. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the kids respond to all that stuff. Yeah. If you keep it the same, you know, you lose them. It comes easy to me. Before I'm performing, I'm always warming up the crowd. Mm-hmm. Kids are coming in, and some kids are afraid because they're very young children. Sure. Even the schools I go every month, their pattern is every day I see my teachers. Mm-hmm. And then who's this guy? You know? So, so they start out afraid. Of course, my goal is to have them not be afraid. I don't want them to be afraid of me. Is that? Did you make a conscious decision not to wear makeup? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that's scary to kids. Yeah, I, um, clowns have, I think it might be Stephen King's fault part, partly, <laughs> but clowns have become scary to a lot of people. Yeah. Not to me, I love it, but that's another story. Yeah. And I, I started out with black shorts, which I can't even look at those pictures anymore, because mm-hmm. you know I'm full tie-dye now. Right, right. Tie-dye shirt, tie-dye shorts, tie-dye socks, tie-dye shoes. Mm-hmm. Something about that, uh, first of all, I love a lot of colors. And kids do too. Kids love colors. My goal every show is to make them feel like they matter. Mm. I don't care. I don't know what's going on at home, and I can't change that, obviously. It's very powerful, whatever you have going on at home. I'm always complimenting the children. Mm-hmm. They hug me. I don't even, like, I don't have to walk up to a child and hug them. I never usually ask for a hug. They just go right up to me, and I don't know what it is. Something connects with them. Well, they probably realize you're not talking down to them. I'm not, never, never. And uh, I think, but there's something that makes them feel the the warmth, Mm -hmm. like that I I have, like, I'm... um, You're genuine. Genuine or or open to, you know, that kind of a thing, you know, hugs and all that. No, I I brought up Frank Zappa before because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of your music that you write for kids is influenced by Zappa music. Mm -hmm. Big time. So, I even used a song one time. Ah, so so what it is about his style that you've applied to the music you've written? I It's just interesting to me, you know? Frank had so many different facets, you know, and so many different styles of music that he played with. Mm-hmm. And and I like that, and that's what I do with my audience. Even more so, I'll give them something, electronic dance music one day. Mm-hmm. I'll give them Latin uh, another song would be a lot of stuff I do is funk. I will tell you because mm-hmm. I love funk. I love funk too, and I know that about you. <laughs> um, so I yeah I do a lot of that, but every once in a while some hard rock or heavy metal, country, bluegrass, reggae, classical, you, you name it. Have you written other music besides music for kids? I have, I have. As a matter of fact, I just released mm. my very first at this late age of fifty eight years old. I finally achieved the goal of releasing my first solo album. Oh, where can people uh, hear that? You can, if you have Spotify or if you have Pandora, Apple Music. It's also available uh, on iTunes. And, and what would they look for? Mr. Scott the Music Man? No. No. Absolutely, Absolutely. not. Absolutely. Do not look thing. for that. <laughs> yeah, there's actually two songs on there. It's, it's mostly instrumental, mm-hmm. but there's two songs on there with partial lyrics and they've got the big E's next to them, mm-hmm. you know, explicit. So um, I really don't advertise with my audience sure. about that. But uh, I, it's available on iTunes. Under un, And what would they look up? Oh, I'm sorry. Scott J. Lewis. But the album's called Colorscope. C-O-L-O-R-S-C-O-P-E. Okay. Well, I have to say that when Gary worked with you on some of your music, he used to come home and, like, hum and sing the songs. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I'm sorry I, about that. Yeah, I keep reminding him that you're not finished brushing until you brush your tongue. 
You're not done until you brush your tongue. You're not done until you brush your tongue. Let me try it. You're not done until you brush your tongue. You're not done. Oh, listen, everyone. You're not done until you brush your tongue. Excuse me, Mr. Scott, but now I've got to run. Gotta go back home for just a little bit so I can brush my tongue. Like this. That's funny. You, you should mention that because I had a child, a mother, come up to me and say, can you come to the car, please? My son says, Mr. Scott says, don't brush your teeth, just your tongue. <laughs> and I, she said, can you please just tell him, explain it to him? And I said, yes. So you have children of your own, in, including a special needs child. Yes, I have I have two sons by my first marriage. Mm-hmm. The eldest is 32, and then I have a 30-year-old who was in the wheelchair. And then I remarried, and I've gained two other sons. How was the experience of having a special needs child? Did that help you go into the direction that you went? I, th- I think in some ways, because I, I, I do a lot of special needs audiences, so I have a, a, a kind of a sense of how to present my music. Is a whole, it's completely different than when I go to a, just a non-special needs group, you mm-hmm. know, especially autism. Right. An autistic crowd, the noise is always, and I my stuff blasts. Yeah. So I have to put it at a certain moderate level where I don't see anybody doing this. If I see a kid, more yeah. than one person holding Covering their ears, their ears. I gotta keep yeah. adjusting the volume. Yeah, I think so. I think I think it had a lot to do with it. But you know, Scott, you're not just Mr. Scott the Music Man. You're also Scott Lewis. So let's talk about Scott Lewis. Besides being Mr. Scott, what are some of the other musical things you do? So I've always thought of you as a drummer because that's how Gary and I first met you. But now as Mr. Scott, it seems like you may have left off working as a musician somehow. I'll be honest with you. My, my youth all the way through my early 20s, very shy, very low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And my closest uh, thing to even going to music school, I, I lived in Hollywood for a while. Mm. I wanted to go to a school called PIT, Percussion Institute of Technology. I went and I auditioned. I passed the audition, but I didn't sign up because passing the rooms and hearing the other drummers, I was so overwhelmed, intimidated, and I said, I I don't have a chance. Even though now I know everyone has their own voice, their own way, their own style, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. So, yeah, self-taught pretty much. I've had a few a few teachers, including Gary, showing me some stuff. Short little runs with different people. Uh, mostly self-taught, and at this point now, I don't consider myself like just a drummer. You're a composer, though. Yeah, I think I'm more of a composer yeah. than anything. But how much do you know about music theory? I, I know a bit about music theory through my mom. Okay. She's a retired piano teacher. Right, right. And that's how we got our start, my mm-hmm. sister, my brother. It doesn't come up a lot, but I, I come up with something. Like if I come up with a song, I just drop my hands. Sometimes I'm just playing, goofing mm-hmm. around, and I'll hear a chord in there and go, oh. I like that. <laughs> I like that, and I build on that. And that, that starts something. I, then I go back later so I can get, you know, obviously the key so everything's, you know, jiving. But I go back later and figure out what is that chord. But I, when I put mm-hmm. my hands down right away, I don't know what chord it is. I have to kind of dissect it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's how I write. I don't do other people's music, <laughs> but I've used a Frank Zappa song live, which uh, I'd like to know if anybody ever – Use a Frank Zappa song in the history of early childhood music. (laughs) And the kids loved it. Now, you bring up Frank Zappa again. And I had another guest on 
Cody McCory, who's huge Zappa fan, heavily influenced by him, and you'd probably really like Cody's music. But I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked him. How do you feel about the misogyny and homophobia in so many of the lyrics of Zappa's songs? It's a tug of war. Because I know you're not, you're neither. No, I know. That, it, that's a tug of war. I mean, I, I will say that I grew up listening, kind of relating to a lot of his thinking. The thing I attach to is Plastic People. That's his big thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's a song. You know, he's talking about back in the 60s, he's talking about plastic people, you know, phony people. And I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. Like, I, I, I just, those are not people I, I really enjoy being around. Now, you've had a career in music as Mr. Scott for over 22 years. It isn't a typical career for a musician, but <laughs> you've been able to make a living from it. Yes. What lessons can other musicians learn from your experience, especially younger musicians? You got to be open to a lot of different things. In my case, at the very least, you have to love young children. And I do love their faces, the way they look and the way they feel, the way they smile. And it just, it makes me really happy when I see them. Even the laughter, you know, the, the laugh where they have no oxygen. <laughs> you know, it sounds, it sounds terrible, but when they're just laughing so hard, nothing's coming out. But I just, I just love when they're just... They just can't stop. Just pure enjoyment. Real from the belly laugh. Yeah. And that, that just makes me really happy. But not everybody has a connection. Just like I would say, I don't have a connection with middle school and higher. What do you think that you would be doing now if you weren't doing music? It's hard to say. I mean, that's a real tough one to answer. I don't think I would have discovered my um, love of the early childhood audience mm-hmm. if it wasn't for music I, I, it's really hard to say i mean i I'm, music is everything to me yeah uh, if i'm not listening or playing i'm going to concerts yeah, well then you know that's so funny that's a great segue because i don't have to ask you this but i'm going to ask you anyway do you go out to see live music now and who do you go to see when you go to see live music but before you answer i am like so Super jealous because I see you have tickets to see Parliament Funkadelic and George Clinton next month, and I hate you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Unless you want to bring me. I'm telling you, it, it's it, the lineup. It's not just yeah. George Clinton. It's one of those rare shows where every band, I know every band, mm. and I know they're all top-notch. And, now, where is this at? Um, this Central Park. Yeah, so I, I, I just love all those bands and, and the funk thing. When I was in high school, I was a big Temptations fan and Jimi Hendrix. And, and I think you and I have very similar tastes in music. Yeah. I was even into Frank Zappa in high school. And I, I love songs like What's the Ugliest Part of Your Body? Yes, yes. And uh, Who Needs the Peace Corps? Yes. And that w- I had that album. I only had a few albums. And that was one of them because we were poor when I was growing up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm actually, I, I shouldn't be, but I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for all the people that love opera. This is just my ignorance. But I just don't get that same warm feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm impressed with the talent and the range. My favorite voice, male or female, just by far, Mm -hmm. is Luther Vandross. (gasps) Oh, my God. To me, it's like like velvet. Oh, my. Me, too. House is not a home. When that voice comes out oh that that song makes me me cry yeah me too i have to say i'm not i'm not embarrassed (laughs) to admit that something about the way he sang Mm -hmm. and it's a shame that he had to leave us so early yeah if you had done better in school would your life be that different now 
I think without those distractions, I can go back and look at a lot of parts of my life where I turn things down, mm-hmm. like music school. It's it's always eating at me. Like I just wish I went to music school. But I I always say this: Do you, do you like your life right now? I, it's the best life I've ever had. Well, think about it. <laughs> it if you had done that, you wouldn't have this. You're life. exactly right. That's a that's a very good point. Yeah. Well, that brings me to my last question, which is, what would you like to have as your epitaph when you're gone? Like how people would think of me and, you know. Yeah, maybe written on your gravestone. Truly loved performing for children. Yeah, or, or just being genuine. Maybe yeah. maybe that's the one thing. I I am what I am. To, to a fault sometimes, you know. My wife w- would say, you know, well, you know. We don't have to talk about that in front of her <laughs> mom or yeah. late father. And I was like, why is everything so hidden with you and your family? You know, don't yeah. tell them this, don't tell them that. Yeah. And, and she gets along with it. She loves her family. And I just came from a family where we shared. I mean, we shared mm-hmm. like silly things. It's, it's, I know in my family, it's hard to keep anything a secret. Uh, mom, you know, I, this is, I'm talking about four, maybe four or five. Hey, mom, I had a good bowel movement. You want to see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, crazy stuff like that. Well, Scott. Thank you for well, taking you. this time. Thank you. I hope I gave you something to oh, work with. Oh, you did. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Lucille. You're welcome. Been fun. I love the arts, and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Not So Famous in New Jersey. I have been having a great time doing this podcast, and I wanted to give you a little update. I will be posting a new conversation every month on the first Sunday of the month. Let me know what you think of my podcast, and let me know if there are artists in New Jersey or associated with New Jersey that you think I should be interviewing. And maybe I will.